0: Hi, this is Paul Lazarus. In the 1980s, I produced and hosted a radio series called Anything Goes, a celebration of the American Musical Theater. Now the Broadway Podcast Network is bringing back these shows. Today, the third part of a four-part look at the career of legendary Broadway composer, Burton Lane. Lane is best known for his remarkable scores for Finian's Rainbow and On a Clear Day, You Can See Forever. This program was originally broadcast in 1981. In olden days, a glimpse of stocking Was a look sort of something shocking But now God knows anything goes
3: Rise and look around.
1: Good afternoon, and welcome to Anything Goes. Today's program is the conclusion of a two-part tribute to composer Burton Lane. Last week, we looked at the earlier part of Mr. Lane's career, his film scores to Dancing Lady, Babes on Broadway, and Dancing on a Dime, and his early contributions to the Broadway musical theater, Three's the Crowd and Hold On to Your Hats. I'm your host, Paul Lazarus. I hope you'll join Anything Goes for the next hour and a half as we listen to a pre-recorded interview with Burton Lane and songs from his scores to Finian's Rainbow, On a Clear Day, You Can See Forever, Carmelina, his film scores to Royal Wedding and Give a Girl a Break, and rare recordings of Mr. Lane himself at the piano. come in 1947 to uh, a, a small show like the small Irving Berlin White Christmas, uh, yeah. Finian's Rainbow, which which is a, a masterwork in the musical theater. There's just no getting around it and uh, if you had written that alone you would you would uh, deserve to be on this program. That's in my in my opinion anyway. It's a great show. Do you know that the movie was just on? I just
2: saw it. I mean, it's a g- terrible. terrible. Movie, oh God,
1: who, who's, who's that director? You should be
2: shot. Well, it's Coppola. It's Francis Ford He didn't understand Coppola. the show at all. That was his, the second picture he ever directed. It's a shame, because he didn't understand the show at he all. He didn't understand anything. Boy, yeah.
1: what a shame. i bet if he did it today, it'd be a different, different film. How did Finian's Rainbow evolve? How did that all get started?
2: Yip and Fred Sadie, who worked with Yip on the book, had done a first draft... And then Yip brought it to my attention. And his first thoughts were that I should split the score with Earl Robinson. Yip had written some songs with Earl Robinson, who had written Ballad for Americans. Mm -hmm. And Yip was in his American folk period at that point, and he had written uh, a song with Earl Robinson called The Free and Equal Blues. And he wanted to use that as a finale of the first act. And I, uh, when he brought me this idea of, of Finian's, I was bowled over. I thought it was simply wonderful. Uh, I thought the premise was wonderful. I thought what it had to say was wonderful. The characters were marvelous. And I was. I didn't think I would be able to do it. I, I th- said, you know, I, you know, you, sh- you should go for George Gershwin, not me. Uh, I, I'm not, I don't have enough training and enough. Uh, I've never done anything as challenging as this, you know, and, and I don't think I'm up to it. I had that feeling, and plus I had a feeling that the second act wasn't very good. <laughs> uh, I had reservations about how they were treating the second act. So between... Uh, Yip's reluctance to change the second act, and my original fears about three months went by before I said yes. And uh, Yip did change the second act, but uh, I say this because I know you'll get to another story later on about Flahuli, which uh, uh, Yip was very stubborn about making changes where he was involved in the book. Lyrical changes were no problem, but book changes were uh-huh. impossible. Anyway, we started to work on the show. And within a short time, yep, saw that uh, there would be a total clash of styles if I were to do half the score in Earl Robinson, because although Earl was very capable doing the kind of things that he did best, mm-hmm. uh, they were not theatrical. And... Uh, There's a big difference. Yeah. There, there is a big difference, and... Uh, I had a a a vision of uh, what I wanted to hear, and it it had to sound as if it were true folk music, but still belong to the stage. Right. And uh, apparently that was accomplished, but it's it's very hard to describe this because I love folk music, but there's a certain kind of folk music that doesn't belong on the you can't use dramatically
1: right otherwise it just sits there it just it
2: just lays there you see it doesn't have any any real tension or excitement
4: in glaucomora where we come from there's an old legend you'll never grow old, and you'll never grow poor if you look to the rainbow beyond the next moor
3: lovely legend i wonder who thought it up
4: my father on the day i was born Father, said he, I've an elegant legacy waiting for ye. Tis a rhyme for your lips and a song for your heart to sing it whenever the world falls apart. the rainbow. Follow it over the hill and-
1: Basically, it, it evolved from, from Yip Harburg and Fred Sadie's original book
2: idea. I think it was Yip's original idea. Uh-huh. I think it started with Yip, and then Freddie worked with him on it. Uh, Fred's very talented fellow, but Yip was the guy who came up with very brilliant ideas, original ideas of, of, of concept and so forth, that uh, I'm sure started with him.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Also, uh, Yip's... Social outlook was more in that direction than than, uh, than Freddie's, so that Yip was able to satirize the things that uh, had to be satirized. But always with a sense of humor. Right.
4: When the idle poor become the idle rich, you'll never know just who is who or who is which. Won't it be rich? When everyone's poor relative becomes a racker And palms no longer itch, what a switch When we all have hermen and plastic teeth, How will we determine who's who underneath?
3: And when all your neighbors are upper class
4: Toast the day, the day we drink our drinky up, but with a little pinky up. The, the
3: day I'm rich, the idle poor become the idle
4: rich. When a rich man doesn't want to work, he's a bon vivant. Yes, he's a bon
3: vivant.
4: But when a poor man doesn't want to work, he's a loafer, he's a lounger, he's a lazy, good for nothing. He's a jerk! When a rich man loses on a horse, isn't he the sport? Oh, isn't he the sport? But when a poor man loses on a horse, he's a gambler, he's a spender, he's a lowlife, he's a reason for divorce. When a rich man chases after dames, he's a man of all tone, a man of all tone. But when a poor man chases after dames, he's a bounder, he's a rounder, he's a rutter and a lot of dirty names. Doo-doo, you never know just who. The idle rich When the idle poor Become
3: the idle rich You'll never know just who is Or who is rich.
4: No one will see The Irish or the Slav in you For when you're on Park Avenue Cornelius and Mike Look alike
3: When poor Tweedledum Is rich Tweedledee This discrimination Will no longer be When we're in the dough and off of the nut, you won't know your banker from your butler.
4: Let's make the switch with just a few annuities. We'll hide these incongruities with clocks from Abercrombie.
1: listening to Anything Goes with the completion of a two-part tribute to composer Burton Lane. You heard two songs from his score to Finian's Rainbow, written in collaboration with Yip Harburg. Ella Logan, Donald Richards with the Lynn Mary Singers, performed Look to the Rainbow, and When the Idle Poor, Become the Idle Rich. Now back to a pre-recorded interview with composer Burton Lane. It'd be interesting to get your perspective on Yip Harburg at this point, now that he's really gone, and uh, just the long association you had with him.
2: Well, it's very... D- I, have a, a, a lot, I have a lot of mixed, uh, mixed up feelings about it, yet because there was sort of a father-son relationship, and there were a lot of... Uh, although a lot of wonderful things uh, and, and feelings we had for each other, there were also a lot of frictions. Yeah, that developed. Uh, but that is the, the nature
1: of a father-son relationship, too. Isn't I it?
2: suppose so. Uh, one of the the great tragedies, I think, was that people who could have written A *Aphelion's Rainbow* didn't do ten shows together. Right. And uh, I, I was I imagine that was you know, obviously going to be one of my questions. I imagine people uh, have to wonder why two writers who were able to do that kind of work uh, didn't do a lot more. And I'm wondering, too, as I look back, you see. Uh uh, And and this is where the frictions would come in. Uh
1: Uh, Was it—I mean, uh, what I'm sensing you're saying is that you would have liked to have written more with Yip, and it didn't happen. Oh, there was no question.
2: But Yip had very strong uh, feelings about the kind of things he wanted to work on. And uh, although I was not against working on the kind of things he wanted to work on, I couldn't accept that to the exclusion of everything else. And although I brought him many – Yip felt he was – very frankly, Yip felt he would be wasting his time if he didn't do a show which had social significance. Well, I loved social significance. I loved what Phineas had to say. Uh, I – never had any qualms or fears that it would be the wrong thing to do. I always was, you know, Phineas broke new ground on many fronts. Hmm. And uh, the fact that you did it, we did a fairy tale, a fantasy, a social satire, all combined in one, hmm. uh, was a very uh, daring thing to do. And I was aware of this, except I loved it. And Yip loved it and Freddie loved it. And uh, if you love something enough and you do a good job, it's... It's going to come off. But Yip wanted to turn everything into Mm -hmm. a social significant uh, uh, show. And I said, you know, it doesn't work for everything. And uh, where it works, we'll do it. And where it doesn't work, let's keep busy doing things because there are enough things to do that we like. Sure. But Yip never wanted to be teamed. Uh He wanted to be uh, like the eagle in me. He wanted to be free and uh, he, he wanted to keep himself available for anything that could mm. m- might come his way. And that, I think, was a basic error, because uh, even if he had decided to work with Harold Owen, uh Harold is a giant. Well, I would say was a giant. I mean, he, he hasn't been writing in years. But uh, Harold was an exceptional composer. You know, he was just uh, way above everybody
1: both of you are, I mean... And I answer, just percent. think
2: that, uh, you know, uh, that where, where, where you can be a team, you have continuity of meeting, of working. It, you, you just turn out because it's there to be turned out. Yeah, and it's and, so
1: collaborative to begin with. That in right,
2: this. and it's very frustrating to be a lone composer uh, or a lone lyric writer, where you're not settled in with mm-hmm. somebody. So there were a lot of things about Yip that uh, were wonderful, certainly a major talent, a tremendous mm. creative man, but there were other aspects that were difficult.
1: Ma- many people said that if you really knew Yip, and I, of course, only knew him peripherally, uh, he he. I mean, we're we're talking about you know all the, maybe all the bad sides. There's certainly so many wonderful sides to the man. I think I've shown that on my other programs. I I think it's worthwhile to look at other the the. Well, person we're talking as a whole we're talking about being. a human
2: being, and you know uh, nobody is uh, uh, is all one thing. Right. Uh, people are complicated. Uh, the uh, yip was when he passed away, just about to be 85 years old. So there were a lot of years right. of. Uh, where people were molded into whatever they became. Absolutely. And uh, Yip had a, a childhood. You know, Yip was a man who never believed he had what he had. And therefore, he was always on the make to be recognized when he had his recognition. He never believed he had it. And I could tell you stories about uh, that are kind of poignant and sad i uh, tell you one time, when he was at my house, we were working on Finian's. We were working in California. And uh, as is a custom when you're working, you, you work and then you're kibitz, you know. We were sitting across the living room from one another, and Yip kind of looked past me, musing. He you know, said, so someday I'd like to build a house. I'd like to build a house that's in a valley surrounded by mountains and when you look out you see the ocean and I looked at him I said yep you just built that house you just moved into it you're living there and his eyes lowered to meet mine and he said oh yeah Hmm. Now you know yeah, that's very a very that's a very uh, meaningful uh, tale I'm telling you. Yeah. I'm not, I, I couldn't make this up. No, I know. And saying. the the meaning of it didn't hit me until much later, because Yip had a drive, a drive to be recognized, that made him inadvertently, without meaning to to hurt people and cause a lot of pain, and he didn't have to be that way because he had what he was after. He once said to me, uh, talking about Madeline Lee, uh, who's married to Jack Gilford, Mm -hmm. he says, she is simply marvelous, she is so wonderful, she gets reservations for me. I'm always treated beautifully. She, I said, well, what does she do? He says, well, she calls up Saudis when I want to go to Saudis, And I go down there and there's a marvelous table waiting for me. I said, well, geez, that, that's be wonderful. And then one night I was met with Madeline Lee, Madeline. And I said, what do you do? She said, I just call up and say, I want a table for your barberg.
4: Mr. Mahoney. The moon has disappeared.
3: That's the valley legend, Shan. They who meet on an April night are forever lost in love. If there's moonlight all about and there's no moon above. I look at you and suddenly Something in your eyes I see Soon begins bewitching me Stole from the skies It's that old devil moon In your eyes You and your glance Make this romance Too hot to handle Stars in the night in their light Can't hold a candle To your razzle-dazzle You. God me flying high and wide on a magic carpet ride full of butterflies inside
4: takes two to make a valley legend. I look at you and suddenly Something in your eyes I see glance make this romance too hot to handle stars in the night blaze in the light can't hold a candle to your hustle does you got me flying high and wide on a magic carpet ride full of.
1: Can we, uh, since we're really on the subject of Yip, can we just talk about this last song that you wrote? Because I do want to play that. Uh, it's called, Where Have I Seen Your Face Before? and yeah,
2: it's, Yip, it is best. It's,
1: uh... And you wrote it about three years ago?
2: About three years ago. I don't know, you know, uh, yeah. it might be a little more than that or a little less. I'm not sure. Uh, Yip and I would see each other occasionally, uh, socially. Uh, not a lot, really. And one time we were together, uh, and he had this lovely title. And I was moved by it and, and wrote this melody. And, and then he wrote this gorgeous lyric. And we, it had been our hope, that kind of a dream you have, uh, of uh, the way Yip used to always look for rainbows, that we'd end up find a show together and that we would use it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we have a couple of songs like that that we were hoping to find a spot for. And, of course, we didn't. And uh, now that Yip is gone, uh, I just recently played it for Chapels Music, a publishing firm I'm with, and we're going to see what we can do. It's a kind of a song. Uh, well, when I played it for uh, Chapels, they said, "You know, this sounds like a standard. Sounds like a song that that's inevitably uh, it's inevitable that it will become a standard song. It's 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 a gorgeous, gorgeous song."
1: On April 7th at the Schubert Theater, a day before what would have been Yip 85th birthday, a celebration was held in tribute of the life work of Yip less than a month after he tragically passed away in a car accident. And when Burton Lane came to the podium to present his thoughts about his uh, longtime collaborator, he chose to sing the last song that they had written together.
2: I loved writing songs with Yip. My tunes always sounded better dressed in his lyrics. A Few years ago, Yip uh, told me a title he had and it touched me. And then I wrote a melody and apparently it touched him because he wrote one of the most beautiful lyrics that I think will touch you. This was the last song we wrote together. Where have I seen your face before? Where did your eyes meet mine? Was it in time or space before? or on some valentine? Where did we greet the dawn before, once when the world was fair? Was it in Glockamora, or perhaps in Berkeley Square? Maybe in a thousand years, Someday in some garden I will look at you this way And say, beg your pardon Where have I seen your face before Lighting my way to grace How did I face the world before before I saw We greet the dawn before Once when the world was fair Was it in Gluckamora Or perhaps in Berkeley Square Maybe in a thousand years Someday in some garden I will look at you this way they beg your pardon where have i seen your face before lighting my way to grace how did i face the world
1: Composer Burton Lane at the piano, singing the last song that he wrote with his longtime collaborator Yip Harburg on April 7th at the Schubert Theater on the occasion of the memorial tribute to Mr. (laughs) Harburg.
0: You've been listening to part three of a four part series devoted to talented Broadway composer Burton Lane, Associate Producer Jeff London. Anything Goes Backstage with Broadway's Best is produced and hosted by Paul Lazarus. For more information, visit AnythingGoesPL.com. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and follow us. Thanks for listening.
3: da 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 da